One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories. This is the podcast that connects you to our guests through the music that has touched their lives. I'm Mike Canary. Thanks for listening. If this is your first episode, welcome. If you're already on board, welcome back to the Musical Memories Train. My guest this episode is Cole Peacock. Cole's lived in Fort Myers since the early 80s. His family is fifth-generation Floridians. His better half is Rachel, and they have three children, Sterling, Hannah, and Jackson, two of which are all grown up, and Jackson's getting there fast. Over the years, Cole's worn lots of different hats. He's been a corporate executive and consultant. He's co-founder of Game Nation Theme Parks, and he spent many years in the world of politics, from running campaigns for other candidates to being one himself when he ran for State House a few years back. If I tried to list all the businesses and organizations organizations Cole's been involved with, I'd be here all day. Like I said, lots of different hats. But beside all of that, he and his wife, Rachel, and their whole family are my old friends from way back, and it's such a treat to get him in the Three Song Stories chair today. Hey there, Cole. How are you? That's a, that's a great intro there. Well, thank you. Thank you. I try to put at least four or five minutes into it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and and and. Valid. I can validate the longevity of the friendship and uh, probably a f- few stories offline that people would enjoy. <laughs> so um, I, I've known you for a long time, but I, had, I didn't know you when you were younger. What was the musical background of your childhood growing up uh, you know, as a young boy? What was happening in the, in the house musically? Yeah, growing up as a young boy, uh, <clears throat> I had my dad who was a country music Elvis lover and my mom who was Motown. Um, so mix the two, and it was Michael Jackson uh, meets Elvis, uh, Pointer Sisters, and everybody in between. Uh, but music was always playing. I mean, it just uh, growing up in the Deep South—that's just part of the culture. Uh, were there records being spinned or spun or whatever the word is, or was it the radio, or what was going on? You know, what was the media? Record player. Record player. Yeah, and it—you uh, know. It, for those who don't remember record players, every so often there's a skip, you know, and a scratch, and you have to reset the needle. But uh, 90% of it was record player, and they, they, you know, at one point in time we were we were fancy when they got a big record player with with extra big speakers, like an RCA, I think is what it was. So uh, yeah, record player. Do you have a, a, a an earliest like musical memory that you can think of? <laughs> if you really try to dig back deep, is there anything that you, that that ties into your memories? So my first concert. Uh, was with my mom. Okay. And uh, I mentioned, you know, uh, living up in North Florida. We call it L.A., Lower Alabama. Right. Uh, but we had just moved down to Fort Myers. And for the folks that remember having concerts uh, out there at the Civic Center, the Pointer Sisters came. And I was, I don't know, 9, 10, 11 years old when we first came down. I guess my dad didn't want to go. Uh, so I was my mom's date. It wasn't Elvis or country music. It was not Elvis or country music. So uh, I was the... I was my mom's date. It was my first concert. Uh, so almost like flashback memories every so often. I hear a song like, oh, wow, I think I saw that show. And then I would remember seeing the show and then you'd go back. And uh, so that was a pretty influential deal, um, especially nowadays with all the sampling. You hear their music everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everywhere. What was the first music you owned as a, as a young individual? Uh, this is going to go back to country. Probably the first one was Hank Williams. Uh, Quickly followed up there by Fat Boys. 
So what? What? How old would you have been around then? What uh, year would that have been? That would have been 10, 11, 12, somewhere in that ballpark. And were you down here yet, or yeah, we had just kind of moved down here. Uh, before that, it was it was listening to what mom and dad and and aunts and uncles had planned. Did you ever make mixtapes? All the time. Yeah. Yeah. For for yourself, for your buddies, for your uh, soon to be hopefully ex girlfriends. I never got into the girlfriend <laughs> mode, but I was I always wanted to be the coolest kid of the bunch in the neighborhood, right? So, I went from trying to make mixtapes from recording one boombox on the other boombox, and then trying to record when something came on the radio and right. get the right timing split. So. Yeah, I don't. Uh, they probably weren't very good, but at the time, I thought they were super cool. Uh, did you ever have like the double set cassette thing where you could high speed dub one to the other? Did you ever get that I didn't, far I, into? I wasn't it? that far into it. No, <laughs> no. I, I, uh, the one thing I would do with those mixtapes is uh, I'd take the boombox and walk around the neighborhood and throw it on my shoulder like I was right. someone special. <laughs> <laughs> and you grew up where in Fort Myers? Uh, on Vesper. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. right off McGregor, uh, we were lucky enough to, to to live in that neighborhood. It was awesome, and at the time, I think so. You were strolling down McGregor Boulevard with your boombox to your ear. Yeah, with a skateboard under my feet uh, or or my uh, mongoose bicycle, uh, and there was no one around. It was awesome. I mean, it was kids all through the neighborhoods. You know, there was the development wasn't like it is now. There weren't that many boats on the water, and so it was fantastic. Anybody ever uh, give you a mixtape in hopes of uh, turning you on to music or them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mike Prosser. Uh, Mike, someone I grew up with a long, for a long time uh, in the neighborhood there, and he was, he was all into mixtapes. That was his deal, right? right? So uh, he, would, he would always slide mixtapes in me. Okay, let's get to your first song. Sure. What are we going to hear? Beastie Boys. Beastie Boys? Yeah. Uh, 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 which song? Fight for Your Right. Do you want to tell a story about it before? You want to listen to it and then tell us what it means. Well, why don't we Why don't we play the tune and then I can fill in the story because it's going to give a little. It'll make sense at that point. All right, this is uh, "Fight for Your Right to Party" by the Beastie Boys. It's Cole Peacock's first song on this episode of Three Song Stories. So, were you fighting for your right to party back at some point in your life? What's What's going on with that song? <laughs> yeah, so this song came out. Uh, 86, you know, uh, 87, and <clears throat> I was fighting for my right that summer. It was – when that song came out, I was with my cousin Hayes, uh, and I mentioned, you know, being from North Florida, we've got a family lake house on Compass Lake, Mike, and it's it's spring-fed, beautiful. You can see the bottom of the lake 20 feet deep. I mean, just, just gorgeous, right? This song came out. Like I said, we're 13, 14 years old, and uh, going back to mixtapes, well, we had the tape of it mm-hmm. in the boombox, right? Mm-hmm. They they didn't have music in 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 boats yet, and this was this was still early in that. Uh, so at any rate, we would do whatever chores we had to do with the grandparents and the moms and dads, and then we were gone. We were on the boat skiing the whole day. This song was on a loop. It played and played and played and played and played. You know, and so when that song came out, it and was you would have been what fourteen, thirteen, fourteen 13, on that. 14. Yeah, I would have been. Turning fourteen that August that summer, right? So this is this is coming into play where, you know, it's the first time when that song's playing that you see a girl standing in her in her bathing suit on the dock that you take a second look, or, uh, you know, that you start to think, huh, maybe there's something else out there. Yeah, I do want to kind of start to feel grown up a right, little bit, like you're fighting for your right. You know, you're coming into your manhood, and uh, and and so this song over and over. And over, and it didn't matter if we were just riding in the boat, smack talking. It didn't matter if we were skiing, you know. And that whole summer stretch, uh, 
we used that as kind of our motivator because on the 4th of July, we always did a ski show for the whole lake. So here we are doing our routine to this song, doing barrel rolls on knee boards, doing double barefoot, you know, doing the slalom, the trick skis, the whole routine ready to go. Uh, and what it also did is it, it you know, it, it, it drove competition between me and my cousin too mm-hmm. in every in every positive aspect. But uh, yeah, that song brings me right back to that summer, just an awesome experience. Uh, you know, it's almost like one of those every every movie scenes you see from summer camp. The, the montage happened yeah, right, to this song. Right, so what did your folks think of this song? This song's a little edgy for maybe a 13-year-old for folks from the South. Yeah, I don't know how much they really listened to it. You know, uh, <laughs> it was playing all the time. And, um, you know, I will say this about at least my, my mom and my aunt. Uh, they're pretty cool. They're pretty open-minded to stuff. They liked music. They could appreciate it. Yeah. Um, we didn't blare it as loud as we did with with, with the two of us, with the grandparents around, right. any of that stuff. But is it? Um, are, is this song and Beastie Boys in general still on your uh, playlist? Nonstop. Yeah, I mean, I, the Beastie Boys are are my number one. You ever see them live? Um, six times. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the first, one of the one of the best shows I saw with them, which was a crazy lineup, was Cypress Hill. Uh, Henry Rollins and Beastie Boys, man. Yeah. And you talking about going from like a really chill setting to Henry Rollins rocking yeah, the house, yeah. and then the Beastie Boys come out and do their deal. Yeah, I've seen them quite a few times. Is uh, is it possible to say you have a favorite band? They would be it. They'd be it. Oh yeah, there for sure, go. without a doubt. They're, That's they're, great. So there's two kinds of people that I've come across so okay. far. There's the Beatles, the yeah. Beastie Boys, or there's what are you crazy? You know what I mean? Yeah. So no, no, it's it's that, that would. The, that's it. You know, and you look at the, what the Beastie Boys have done. I mean, Rolling Stone just gave them all their accolades as, as one of the best bands and albums. And uh, But if you look at what their music has done, they've gone from punk rock to the first phase of like, you know, what I would call kind of middle class rap to then really honing their skills into having some serious lyrical talent. Um, and they put all kind of samples inside of it. Then they go out and do an entire instrumental. Uh, I mean, they're just, they're talented. Um, what do you think they'd think being called middle class rap? Well, that's kind of how they rolled out, <laughs> yeah, right? You know, true. I mean, Would you, I, to, to Russell Simmons' credit, he said, okay, you can't quite fit into yeah, Run yeah, DMC. Yeah. Let's try you here. But then it just exploded. I mean, it became, and here I am, you know, sitting, here, here I am skiing. On a lake behind a boat, jamming Beastie Boys. Yeah, and here yeah. you are, thirty years later, That's talking right. about them. That's right. That's exactly. God, right. Cole, it's been so, thirty years. Thirty years, uh, and that's still probably the best summer of my entire life. It was just one of those points in time where my cousin's my exact same age. You know, um, you know, you don't get the chance very often just to spend almost every single day on a boat skiing and doing what you love and. Being really good. I mean, hell, we were barefoot and we were ten years old. Yeah. So by this time, we were we were talented doing what we do. So, yeah. I mean, look, BC boys. Maybe that's why it's stuck in my head so long, Mike. So you got, yeah, yeah. You got well, you got fun water jumping out of trees into the waters. You know, uh, any kind of rope swing that was out there, skiing, girl, sun, fun. I mean, it just kind of all worked out. Yeah, we need a grown up. Version of that. Um, okay, let's talk about songs that nearly made it to your list. I know this is a really hard process for everyone. Uh, is there a like a, a a close fourth or fifth that you can you know real quickly sort of tell tell the story of it, you know, or why it almost made so there's uh, there's a couple, uh, uh, yeah, uh, probably one that really was was 
Talib Kali, and he is uh, in the genre of he's he's in rap, but I, I would say it's a little more lyrical based. Uh, you know, if you start <clears throat> really listen to what he has to say, but he has a song called "Get By." So there was a transition period in my life where I went from being a retail executive uh, to not being a retail executive, and for whatever purpose, this song just spoke to me. It's you know, and what's it called again? Get by, uh, and it just kind of it rolls right. It's it's the struggles of life. It's how you pick your feet up uh, by your bootstraps and move on. Uh, it's it's it just fit. Now when that song comes on. It kind of fits in every mode of my life, no matter mm-hmm. where I'm at. Um, so it's it's good. I mean, you know, I, I mentioned kind of that lyrical side. He's in there with Mo's Def and some others. So you know, they they they're putting poetry to music. So um, let's move on to song number two. Sure. What is it? Uh, so song number two uh, is a Ray Charles redo by Kanye West and Jamie Foxx. This song kind of came out when that. Ray Charles movie came out again, uh-huh. uh, uh, but it's Gold Digger. I have to, I have to real quickly tell you that um, I, I wanted um, one of our uh, producers and reporters here at the station to listen to the, the song that I'd picked for the end of this show because I get to pick my song. And okay. So I, I said, go look in the folder. It's in there. And uh, she was in the office next to me. And when she opened up the folder, she laughed out loud. She said, Gold Digger. <laughs> 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 so I just love the uh, – Diversity of songs that yeah. we get to put on yeah. the air through this show. This, so. Yeah, this is a fun song, um, and it's a shared experience with Rachel, my bride, and I that we have. So, yeah. Well, beautiful. Let's hear uh, "Gold Digger" by Kanye West featuring Jamie Foxx riffing on Ray Charles. It's my guest today, Cole Peacock, second song choice here on Three Song Stories. That's "Gold Digger" by Kanye West featuring Jamie Foxx. So, what pops into your head when you hear that song? Uh, so. <clears throat> My son Jackson uh, pops into my head. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there was a point in time, Rachel and I, you know, kind of our, our routine to still to this day uh, is we get up, have a cup of coffee, we'll read the paper, right? Well, in our house where everything sits, there's, there's the TV and, you know, there's stereo and music and all that stuff. <clears throat> and I mentioned earlier, this is about the time that Ray Charles movie had come out, yeah. right? So, um, this song comes on, and Jackson at the time that He'd be was pretty young. That'd be wild. Yeah, he though. was two, probably two years old. He was born <laughs> three, so this I think this came out like five or six. So just you know, two, two and a half. Uh, and Jackson's a big boy when he came out, right? I mean, he has he's he's got all the little fat rolls on his arm yeah, and his yeah, legs. He's working, yeah, a little Michelin man. <laughs> so he's sitting there in the middle of the floor. You know, we're drinking coffee, and he's got his his diaper on, and this song comes on, and. All of a sudden, man, he just starts like bottom dropping and he's dancing. He's getting the rhythm. And this is the first time I'd ever really seen him like dance. It's like, not like we taught him this. this oh, just, no. We didn't. Felt it. Oh, yeah. He felt it. Hands flying up in the air, head bobbing. I mean, it looked like he was on the damn video. <laughs> uh, and I bought, I spit my coffee. I started laughing and watching it. And then we'd go through and <clears throat> kind of tested it, right? Was that like a one off? Yeah, yeah. Every time this song it's would like come on. like a trigger. On, oh, man. I could be driving him, be in the back seat, in the in the in the baby seat, and I turn the song on, and I see his head bopping, his hands will raise up in the air. You know, here I am thinking he's at a concert, watching him dance, and every single time, it was it was just awesome. And you know, Rachel and I, you mentioned earlier, have three kids, so we have a his, hers, and ours. And you experience something with all your kids, and you raise them. And Rachel may have had that young moment with Hannah, and I may have had a young moment with Sterling before Rachel and I got together. So this was kind of a shared moment. Yeah. We're watching like. Well, that's the first time you can't dance. Well, that's us. That's us, right? <laughs> you know, 
But but to set that picture of you know just a, a baby you know blonde curly hair all over the joint Michelin baby in a diaper dancing to to Kanye West was just it was just awesome. Um, uh, did that continue? There was there a point at which that stopped happening? What happens if you play it to him today? Does he listen to it himself? He's thirteen now. He's too cool for it. You know, um, he's he gonna lo- love hearing this. Oh, he's gonna love to hear this, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, he likes the song. It's all good still, but he's not. I don't see him out there. You know. Shaking a leg or anything when it comes. You know, on by the time he gets to college, though, he might be dangerous. He might be. <laughs> he might be. He very well might be. But uh, it really didn't. I mean, you know, if they played this song and it came over the intercom at Publix, he was going to dance. That's yeah, just that's yeah. just how he just felt it. And I I don't think he's you know at, at at that age he didn't feel any other song like this one. So, and it's right about that first time where the beat comes in. You kind of hear that Ray Charles loop. I mean, it boom trigger. That'd be funny to. To your point, go test him every so often. Just kind of play yeah, that loop, yeah, and see yeah. what happens. <laughs> well, you know what's great about this show is, you know, I've known you for ages, and I've known you know Rachel since she was in third grade or right, something, right, right. and and I still learn something new. Yeah, I mean, it yeah, puts new context on you. So, where are you at musically today? I mean, are you just in your playlist of all your past favorites? Do you have something new that's come along? Oh, I'm always looking for something new. You know, I mean, it's. Uh, I went through a phase for a while that I was I fell in love with the roots. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. They're just 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 talented across the board. You know, Alabama Shakes. Um, I, you know, you and I were talking earlier. One of the that kind of go back, always listen to is Big Head Todd and the Monsters. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just just beautiful music. Uh, I, I always want to continue to listen to music. I mean, it's <clears throat> you've been to my house enough. There's music playing yeah, yeah. all the time. I may go through a reggae phase. I may go through a you know, an all an all guitar phase. I mean, it's uh, I'm I like to build that library of music all the time. Do you have a go to like Pandora channel? Do you use Pandora? I know you said you use Spotify. Uh, Pandora, uh, more than Spotify these days. Uh, <clears throat> do I have a go to channel right now? I'm kind of feeling reggae, so mm-hmm. it's a Bob Marley channel. Uh, before that, you know the the. I tell you, one of the greater great channels on there was Lenny Kravitz. Oh yeah, because it yeah. runs everything from a three eleven to an Alabama Shakes to you know, roll in there. Roll you know, Tracy there. Chapman channel actually oh, really brings out some good. interesting yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I try to find those channels that doesn't just play the same ten songs, right? right? That really opens up Pandora's box. Pandora. Oh um, yeah, there you go. They should put that in their market. They should put that in their market. Um, uh, is there a band you've discovered recently that you don't think our listeners would know? Is there something new that's hit your your radar? You know, I don't know if it's uh, necessarily recent for me, uh, but J.J. Gray and Mofro. Man, you talking about some funky music. Uh, for the folks who have not listened to J.J. Gray and Mofro, go check it out. Uh, I've been jamming to him for the past five years or so, six years. <clears throat> He's a Florida boy. They're right out of there. Of um, he's from Lock Lusa. The rest of the bands. From Where's that? Lock Lusa's Alachua County. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then he's he's from the rest of the groups from Jacksonville, and there's a couple out of New Orleans. So it's 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 got that southern funk, you know, uh, really kind of southern rock and roll added with some horns. It's funky, funky music. Most of his songs are about Florida. Um, I think it's a relevant time because he's talking about clean water and he's talking about slowing down uh, some of the developments. You know, he's got a one one line in there that we don't need any more Mickey Mouse universes. And, uh, you know, Florida boys, he's an old cracker. He's a Florida cracker. Hmm. Um, so he sees things a little differently. He still likes to see the swamp lands and he doesn't still likes to see the, the backyards. Um, Have you seen him live? 
I have. Fantastic. Where? Last time I saw him was Buckingham Blues Bar. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Tommy out there at Buckingham Blues Bar, man, he brings JJ in every year. Um, they're friends. They, they, Tommy even gets out there and plays and, uh, with the band. But uh, I can tell you, when they announce he's coming, it's sold. Gone. Well, next time he's coming, let me know. I'll come with y'all. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, another one that's kind of true to me all the time I listen to a lot of is, is G-Love. Okay. Yeah, G-Love and Special Sauce. They're, they're good. All right, it's time to move on to your third and final song. What do you got for us? So this one's a little different to two before. This is the Zach Brown Band, uh, Chicken Fry. Chicken Fry. You want to talk about it beforehand? You want to listen to it and talk about it after? Uh, no, let's play it because the story I'll tell about it kind of fits into the lyric of the song. All right. So um, what's the story or stories behind that one? I, I kind of already know, but bring us down that road. Yeah, so... Uh, that one to me is a little a tearjerker. Um, it's got a couple couple meanings. Uh, I, you know, first and foremost, it really is a southern man's anthem. Yeah, you know, my whole life growing up, uh, it, Zach Brown must have lived the same life because come Friday night, especially growing up on a farm in in, in North Florida and, and Lower Alabama, fried chicken was on a black iron skillet. Beers were in a cooler. Everybody had on their jeans, you know, when you were sitting at the farm or sitting out at the lake. That's how you bonded with with your family. Um, so it, it really speaks to me on that level. <clears throat> I probably had more fun and more memories sitting around cast iron skillets with chicken frying <laughs> and beers being drank, uh, maybe some moonshine in between there somewhere with my, with my folks. Uh, and watching my grandparents and my parents interact and watching my cousins interact with each other and yeah, you know, just southern living. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um so that side of it. You know, then the then and kind of uh, the second component is just the you know, some of the phrases inside that song where he talks about it doesn't matter the price tags, doesn't matter yeah. you know, what you're doing, where you're at, what kind of car you drive, there's no, you know, you can't put a price tag on peace of mind. Um it, you know, I was kind of raised that way. You've known me a long time. I'm pretty much the same cat when you met oh, me. Yeah, I yeah, am that today. Rings real true. Trust me. <clears throat> you know, um, so those things speak to me in my in my soul and my heart. I try to instill all that in my family. Uh, the tearjerker side. You know, uh, it's been two years now that my mom has passed away. Uh, she passed away at 64, too way too young, and uh, it was hard and and hard for anybody to go through that. Shortly before that, my mom and dad celebrated their 40th anniversary. Uh, so again, you know, Rachel and I um, put together a, a 40th anniversary party, and this was the song that that is 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 the theme for the party. Um, we did a video, so it showcased. 40 years of my mom and dad, right, with my brothers, Jeremy and Dustin, with the grandkids, with our grand, with their grandkids, with, with our kids, with graduation from high schools and college, with trips they went on. So when you put together, you know, a slideshow to this song in 40 years of your parents' life, it, it, it's pretty awesome to see that, right? Yeah. It's now, also very impactful. Very impactful. Emotions and memories. It is. Um, and right about the time that we threw this party – uh, we found out my mom was sick. Uh, so this was about right around four years before. 
uh, maybe five, um, we kind of found out she she had this blood disorder. Yeah, so that added another whole element to what we were doing, right? <clears throat> so you were aware of that during the anniversary party. Yeah, we were really aware. In the of what, early stages. In the early stages, really what was going on, you know, really what, to, what the family needed to be, be – you know, prepared for it. So kind of had that in the back of your back of your head and, and um but to be married forty years, that's that's a that's a treat, yeah. right? So we went and put this party together. We invited all my mom's friends, all my dad's friends, all the cousins and the aunts and the uncles and the grandparents. Uh and we had it out there uh at Kim Avery's barn uh and uh, in Alva and uh man let me tell you we had a throw down party, right? You talking about chicken fried and all this other stuff. Well how are you going to do a southern party? You're going to open up the barn doors and throw a damn party, right? Yeah. So we did. So we had we had live music. Yeah, you know, we showed this video. We had everybody there. It was a get down party uh, that everybody had a blast at. When you see your cousins dancing with 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 my mom, or you know, you're dancing with your grandparents, or you're dancing with your wife or your friends and whatever else, uh, it was it was cool. It really was. Yeah. So that kind of that song kind of has three <clears throat> important parts in my life. Um, but I listened to it just with you and almost got teared up. Uh, it really, it really signifies our family that the, the, what we went through, you know, from childhood all the way through. Uh, and and if anything, it, it sticks with me about my mom probably more than any song does. Um, you mentioned going to your first concert with your mom. Can you give us another Jan story, real quick, like a favorite? You got one? <laughs> yeah. Um, Jan story. Uh, so, <clears throat> I was. This is this. This was some. Uh, and every mom loves her kids, right? So I don't want to take away from that. But I'd gone away to school, uh, and it was the first time I'd really been away. And I was going to school in Tennessee, so it wasn't like I could just come home, right? I got sick. Well, it, probably not as sick as I let on to be, but mm-hmm. I was sick enough where you know. Maybe I need an you excuse needed, for one of the one of my classes. Well, yeah, <laughs> so I call my mom, and damn, think, next thing I know, she's going to pick me up at the airport. I said, "What are you talking about?" So she flies into Nashville to take care of me, does all that. Um, and then the other thing you talk about mom stories. This is one we always joke about. So <clears throat> there was a spell there where we would go uh, all summer long on some sort of trips, right? And having Jackson, Hannah, and Sterling, and and all the kids, and whatever else, uh, we did this trip to Disney where we did Disney and SeaWorld. Well, my mom had just had knee surgery, so she was in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Best experience ever, man. Go to Disney or SeaWorld in a wheelchair. We didn't have to wait for a single ride. Didn't do anything. So, <clears throat> kind of running joke with when when when. Time to rent a wheelchair. Time to rent a wheelchair. That's right. Mom, you got a hurt knee again? You got an elbow, something wrong? What's going on? Um, But more than that, just, uh, you know, my my kids call her Janji. That was her instead of grandmom. She's Janji. And uh, biggest heart of anyone I ever met. You know, it's uh, – you've seen her. Oh, yeah. Every time she's around, what can she do for you? Are you okay? What's going on? She doesn't – she never forgets a name, never forgets a story. And uh, she's just a – she was a pure Southern woman through and through. Well, I'm glad we got to talk about her on this show today. Um, one more question before we sign off. Um, you talked about your first concert with her. Do you have a, a concert memory that is like the pinnacle of your live music experiences thus far in life? Yeah, uh, probably the first – probably the first 
uh, Lollapalooza. Okay. Yeah, um, first Lollapalooza that I saw was the first one, and they it had you know ice ice tea. It had L seven, uh, Jane's Addiction. Um, I think Butthole Surfers were at that one. Uh, maybe I think BC Boys came on the second one. Uh, so <clears throat> for me, it was that was wow. Yeah, right? that's a something. That's something different. It's totally different. Uh, and then I went to, I think the next two Lollapaloozas, you know, uh, but they were kind of one of for me. Uh, there was nothing of that caliber that matched up to maybe a Woodstock, right? Just because you had so many bands. Now you've got Coachella and you've got yeah, other stuff yeah. going on. But at that time period, you didn't. This was it. Lollapalooza was it. And you had that wave of music where they were trying to blend hip hop and hardcore rap and punk music and you know metal and rock and roll was kind of fading out there were you know Def Leppard of the world had, had a great run but they were phasing out and you were seeing Metallica take over and uh, followed up that with Jane's Addiction I mean they're one of the best bands you can just Perry Farrell's pretty talented um, and that's that second Lollapalooza probably <clears throat> was another changing because I believe that's you had the Chili Peppers and you had what year would have that been Roughly, uh, I think the first one was like, first one I did was ninety two, maybe, so some ninety three, four, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, but I mean, you put, you know, you put Snoop Dogg on the same stage with the Chili Peppers, and yeah. you know, I mean, just the blend of music that took place—it was mind blowing. It was awesome. It yeah. really was. It really was. You know, I, I don't know if you know this, but um, um, we went to uh, Lollapalooza in uh, 2008 with Gwen when she was three. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. Kind of a, kind so of is, a that, is that Gwen's kind, first? Kind of a judgment call, you know? <laughs> so, so her experience of her first concert is a little different yeah, than my experience. Well, I don't think yeah. she remembers it. But the story I want to tell real quick is that that Sunday, uh, the final day of the of the run, uh, fell on Father's Day. Okay. And so I'm walking around pulling her in a red wagon behind me, and I'm Perfect. having dudes stop me one after the other to take a picture so they can prove to their wife that it's okay to take a kid <laughs> on father's day <laughs> on father's day that's awesome that's a true story that's awesome okay well any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up man i really enjoyed it that's uh final thought it's really hard to pick three songs you know um it, it, it did it was a struggle i mean I, I i've got so many songs and so many stories to tell that that i sit with them um but it's awesome. I mean, it really made me go back and think about, you know, go through my music library and really kind of figure out what really stood out the most. Um, so thanks for the challenge, man. I'm glad I was able to pull it off. Oh, well, thanks for uh, yeah. thanks for doing it with me. It's been my a real pleasure. treat. I'm a trip down memory lane for all of us. It's cool. It was really cool. We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers. The show is produced, directed, and co-created by Richard Chinqui, Tara Callaghan, and Anna Bejarano are our online content producers. Chris Duffus is our executive producer. Our theme music was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. Before we play our parting tune this week, I want to put a challenge out to listeners. What's your best song story? If you've got one you want to tell, just record it to your phone and email it to mysongstory at wgcu.org. We're going to be picking our favorites and using them as parting tunes sometime sooner than later. And a quick editorial note. I was so caught up in the moment with Cole, my brain glitched. The quite likely somewhat, if not entirely inappropriate for a toddler, multi-day, multi-act music festival I attended with her in 2008 was Bonnaroo, not Lollapalooza, 
just want to try to stick to the truth in this storyteller podcast whenever possible. For this week, my parting tune is by a guy named Jason Isbell. I discovered him via an interview on NPR a few years ago when he released his album called Something More Than Free, which immediately took over my listening habits for a while. When I saw he was coming to Barbara B. Mann Performing Arts Hall, I jumped on tickets, got to in the third row for me and my at-the-time 10-year-old daughter Gwen. It was her first real concert, and she was pretty much the only kid in the building. Man, he is a force of nature, and his fiddle-playing wife happened to be with him on tour at the moment, so we were treated to an amazing show that I'm sure will be stuck in both of our minds forever. This is Children of Children by Jason Isbell from his 2015 album, Something More Than Free. I'm Mike Canary. Keep listening. Um, next time on Three Song Stories? I remember seeing this guy on the, on the album cover, spotlight on stage, his beautiful mane of hair, and he had this guitar that was the coolest looking guitar I've ever seen. And I just thought to myself, I want to be that person one day.